everybody it's radio trivia time this is episode 174 this is uh recording this middle of june 2021 and uh we have longtime uh recurring guest and co-founder of this particular uh podcast format at least steve windyman rodriguez it's How me are you doing sir i am great very glad to be back been wanting to uh, do radio trivia for a while just didn't work out but uh, here i am just like Tony the Tiger. <laughs> yeah, we got a good lineup here. Uh, Steve picked two uh, games. I got uh, two games I picked, and then there's also a listener request, so it's kind of a good mix of stuff, hopefully, and uh, you guys will enjoy it. Uh, if you uh, are new to this podcast, unlikely, but the format is that uh, I, we play three songs from uh, a game. Your job is to figure out the game based on the music between the second and third songs there's a hint question uh, that sometimes gives you an idea of what the game is if you haven't figured it out yet and if you have figured it out it's, it's kind of an extra little brain teaser for you so uh five games three songs per game that's how it works no curveball these are all uh games that have been released in north america no you know crazy imports or anything let's get started with the first game which uh steve picked oh boy i hope i get this one right
All right. Well, I'm sure that sounds at least vaguely familiar to a lot of listeners. Yeah, could be.
Sounds like there's a lot of action going on there. I love that song. It's so appropriate. All right. We do have a hint question here. Uh, Steve, would you do the honors? Yes. uh, To help you out, or perhaps be a challenge to you if you think you've got it, the question is, what Nintendo product appears in the final extra stage of this game? was the last song for the first game yes windy man would you like to reveal what game this is yes uh this is drum roll please super monkey ball 2 for nintendo gamecube i am amazed we haven't used this game i'm sure it was used in the live show um i already had songs on my computer uh, for this game, and uh, and so I was like confident. But sure enough, we have not used it. Nope. nope. The, the list of used games on the Nintendo World of Port forums is quite accurate. It turns out. Yeah. So, uh, yep. Here we go. Um, and it's an excellent choice because uh, recently revealed is a kind of a remaster of both Super Monkey Ball games. Um, I'm not what? sure if it's being called like a. What are they called? Are you characterizing it as kind of a, a remix of both of those? Or? I, think, I think it's just like a remaster of the first three. So one, two, and um, deluxe. I, I, the third one I don't think I ever touched. Yeah, me neither. But I mean, like the first two are really all you ever needed for Monkey Ball. Yeah. <laughs> I, Monkey Ball, oh, man. It, 
the first Monkey Ball was a launch game, and it it filled a lot of niches. I mean, the, the single player game is really tough, but really good. Yeah. But it also had really awesome multiplayer party games. I mean, they weren't super deep, but it, it was kind of almost like the Wii Sports of the GameCube. In yeah. A way. Yeah. Um, way. It had, had a variety of games on it that were uh, very approachable, but deep enough that you could have some really good competition. And Super Monkey Ball 2 really, you know, picked up that uh, that uh, torch or what do you want to call it, and, and uh, has some some kind of repeat and some new ones. And it, it's also uh, has a very good selection of uh, party games. I don't think I spent as much time with the second one, but um, I mean, it has a much better, in my opinion, uh, target game. Oh yeah, called Monkey yeah. Target and. Uh, um, Let's see what what else. But bowling, I think I think we use one of the bowling uh, songs. Um, the dogfight thing, I never really got into. Um, yeah, that was, that was an all right one. wasn't wasn't a big fan of it. Uh, I did play a lot of monkey baseball and uh, monkey shot too. I also liked, but I mean, yeah, you know, like the sequel uh, Monkey Ball Two has got like all the the you know like improved sequels as it were of the first six from the first game and then six all new ones. So what more could you ask for? Did, did it have the billiard game? Yeah, yeah. It did. I don't remember if it did or not. Yeah, I remember playing that a lot. Oh yeah. So, but yeah, the main game is like super tough. Oh, I yeah. uh, I remember picking up. I don't know if it was one or two, but I, I briefly tried to show my my uh, four year old son uh, Monkey Ball. So okay, well you know it's all it is is really a, you know control stick. Maybe he can kind of wrap his head around it, but he he gave up pretty quickly as he does with most video games. But uh, um. You know, it, it's simple enough. It just, it's, oh my God, it's so, so difficult. <laughs> yeah, what I, what I remember very distinctly about uh, Monkey Ball 2's kind of single player is that all the stages were a lot more kinetic than mm. the first game. Yeah. It, and that was the double-edged sword in a lot of ways because on the one hand, you get some really crazy stages and some really cool things that you can do in them but on the other hand um, sometimes you are at the mercy of the stage you had to wait yeah. for a certain amount of time to get to a certain point or you were just getting violently launched in a direction sometimes up and wasn't always the best way to navigate through the level so you know it was more interesting but it was also more frustrating I agree. I mean, I mean, everything is deterministic. I mean, it's all physics-based, but it did feel like there were more cases where it's like, I don't really know what I did wrong to uh, yeah. you know, fail. I mean, some were just very far. It's like, okay, you go down a ramp, and I mean, it just it isn't clear exactly what you should have done slightly differently to uh, have avoided your fate. Whereas on, on the first game, I mean, it can be process- frustratingly difficult, but you could say, yeah, okay, I got impatient there, or you know, I, I, I oversteered or, or whatever. But generally speaking, um, it, it was difficult but fair. Yeah, the first game, it, it was literally laid out in front of you. There was really no surprises. I mean, there were some stages where, you know, there was some movement, but it was pretty obvious. But, you know, the second uh, the second game, there were some stages you were like, well, what the heck do I do? So you kind of had to figure it out before you could even sort of attack it. And even attacking it, then that's when it also starts to get the frustrating part of it. So it was sort of a, it, 
it was like difficult to figure it out and difficult to do it. Whereas the first game, it was just difficult to do it because it really wasn't much to figure out. Yeah, I, I hope if the, um, for this remake they give you at least an option for unlimited lives. I mean, maybe maybe you don't do high score or anything if you have that setting on. But that would be nice. Um, that, that to me was the biggest problem. Both of those games is that you know I really struggled to get past something that was really dogging me. And they do have a way, I think, in this game of uh, of like you can practice any of the levels that you've actually seen. Yeah, but yeah. it's still kind of cruel because it's like well. You may just tooth and nail get past one level and have almost no lives or continues left after that. It just you end up playing the same levels over and over again. So, which you know, that's that's not great. Right, and the and the game did try to throw you a bone. They had uh, the warp gates, so instead of going to the regular finish line, you can go through the warp finish line and skip a couple levels. But you know, at the end of the day, if it's that much more difficult, and you you need. You really need a lot of bananas, a lot of extra lives to get through it. It's it, it wasn't it wasn't as fun as a grind as the first game was for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they do have a bunch of crazy designs in both games, but especially the second one kind of oh yeah goes off the rails. So so the, the hint question it's about what Nintendo product appears in the final extra stage of this game, which. Um, Maybe people can guess now if they didn't know. Well, I mean, given the difficulty of the game, this would have been in the uh, final EX Master Stage, or Master EX Stage. Um, And if you managed to get there, you'd be greeted with a literal Nintendo GameCube. And uh, it rotated around, and you had to just, like, stay on top of it and survive until the goal gate popped up out of the lid (laughs) halfway halfway through. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. Well, I don't think I ever saw that. Um, I would be very game, surprised if people ever did see that. I just kind of saw it on a video. I was like, oh, well, let me kind of see what's up. I was like, oh, it's a GameCube. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, for, for folks who aren't aware of, of, of it, this is by the same team that ultimately did the F-Zero GX and AX games, which are famously very difficult. Um, so there, there's a bit of that similar difficulty aspect to it for unlocking everything. Well, well, hey, they're bringing back Monkey Ball. Maybe they'll bring back F Zero, <laughs> right? Yeah. It, it, <laughs> right. You know, I, I'm never going to give up hope on that. I'm not a huge F Zero fan, but I, it's definitely past time. Um, and I, I still assert that if they chose to just do a HD remaster with online play of literally F Zero GX slash, oh my AX, god, that would um, be amazing. That just by itself would. I really don't think there even is a need for new levels. I mean, obviously that's really nice if they did, but I, I don't really see any reason. It, I mean, that that stuff holds up today. I mean, oh yeah, it, it, it really does. So I'm kind of surprised they haven't done that, just because with the the COVID pandemic stuff, you know, all companies have been going back and seeing what can we kind of refresh and, and lean on. Uh, that's maybe you know a shorter development cycle. Um, and, and this seems like an obvious thing that someone should have at least considered. Well, yeah, it does seem like uh, it's been what now twenty years for certain to get to the uh, uh, the GameCube being in vogue in the Game Boy Advance. So it seems mm-hmm. because we got the Advance Wars reboot coming, which yes, that's amazing. So uh, yeah, next couple of years we'll see uh, what Nintendo. Did. You know, actually, that was also around the time when Nintendo was giving their properties to other companies, like you know, to Sega and. And yeah. Namco and all that, so 
that'll be interesting to see how those games might come back one way or another. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Super Monkey Ball re-release. I mean, I haven't really played those seriously in a long time, and it'd be way more convenient to oh, yeah. play them I'm on the Switch. So, totally getting um, it. Definitely uh, a good, again, single and party game collection. So that, that's definitely worth uh, put on a list. Okay, uh, let's go on to the second game, which was Our, my request okay. selection. I guess it's not a request if I'm requesting it for myself. Uh, my selection. <laughs> yes. most exciting soundtrack but not terrible no Um, it's music yep now one thing i forgot to mention about super monkey ball 2 and i I am trying to cite the composers or arrangers of of soundtracks when i can um and i forgot to do that with super monkey ball 2 so there are three people cited at least according to wikipedia uh and i'm gonna butcher their names but uh, here we go (laughs) hidenori shoji haruyoshi tomita and ryuji yuchi uh are cited as uh Composers for Super Monkey Ball 2. I was not butchering. You did a good job there.
Oh, that one's pretty catchy. I, I kind of like that one. Well, um, I have no idea. So I could use a hint question. Sure. Uh, so this is actually a prequel to which other game on the same platform? Ooh. Hmm. last song for the uh, for this game let's uh, see do you have any inklings at all as to what game this might be <sighs> no idea as far as the title um like the nature of the music made me think it was just sort of uh maybe like an rpg and i kind of have that well maybe it's kind of a puzzle game but i thought pre- like prequel prequel prequels like i i just can't think of any like i i'm sure the answer is pretty obvious to anybody who might have heard it but to me i'm like i have no idea i mean i i assume it's a game boy game i have that right at least no all right i will reveal the game this is uh fire and ice for the nintendo entertainment system uh, available on the nintendo switch online service yeah actually i was just on that uh, literally yesterday i said oh yeah fire and ice i gotta play that yeah, well, I think you should. I actually really like it. I, I've played through maybe about half of it at this point. I I uh, stopped playing a little while ago, but um, it's it's pretty laid back. So so this is the prequel to Solomon's Key. I think it's called Solomon's oh, Key too in some regions. Okay. But uh, I didn't really like Solomon's Key when I tried it. It, it you know Solomon's Key uh, is more of kind of like a maze platformer of of early. NES-ish days, you know, something kind of like Burger Time or Load Run where there are guys chasing you around. Um, and uh, I don't know, I just, I, I didn't like it. I gave up on Solinsky pretty quickly, but Fire and Ice is more laid back. It's very much more puzzle. Um, and I I don't think I recall any, seeing any enemies that are walking around the game so far from from what I've seen. It's, it's all about, you know, creating and pushing ice blocks to destroy uh, stationary flames. So, uh, the mechanic is that you can uh, create and destroy ice blocks um, to the left and right of where you're standing. So not in front of you and behind you, but like one uh, one tile below you in, in, in the grid. 
mm-hmm. left and right. So that that's a little bit, I think, like Load Runner. Um, and so you wind up kind of creating platforms going upwards because you can climb up one uh, one unit of height. Okay. So you can you know wind up creating platforms for yourself or creating cubes, and and you can knock cubes around if, if there's just one tile-sized cube. So um, you wind up creating and destroying things, and, and you have to kind of figure out the right order of operations to uh, to clear the the stage without you know getting stranded or having to basically. Uh, kill yourself so it's pretty laid back and uh, there's some nice quality of life in in that you can skip whichever puzzle you want which is kind of nice for a game of that era i mean it's only like a 1992 game or something or maybe 93 but um you can you know there are like 10 worlds maybe and you can choose the puzzles in any order of any world so i think you probably have to complete all the puzzles to get to like the boss for that world but you can skip over something so if you're stumped and skip over something and continue on. So unlike Super Monkey Ball and Monkey Ball 2 that we were talking about, this game lets you do that, which which is cool. I mean, you know, it, it makes this game uh, much more approachable. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that it's the most uh, unique game out there, and, and certainly the, the puzzles can have the sameness to them sometimes, but it's worth checking out on, on the Nintendo Switch Online service if you got it. Oh, yeah, I'll it's, definitely uh, check it's, that it's, out. It's, uh, and it looks pretty nice. I mean, the... The visuals um, are, are fairly clean and bright, and um, I, I like it. So it's, it's worth checking out. It's worth whatever you're already paying for the subscription service, definitely. Yeah, it's free after you pay for it. Yeah, uh, yeah but yeah, actually, I, I did really like Solomon's Key. I, I played quite a bit of it. I didn't beat it, but I definitely spent more time with it than you know most other games. But, yeah, oh, yeah. you really should check this out then. I, yeah. I'm certainly going to. Yeah, I mean, it isn't obvious from the title that this is, at least in North America, it isn't obvious from the title this is a sequel or a, a prequel to Solomon's Key. So that in and of itself is maybe useful information for, <laughs> for you and others. I wish I would have done that before the question. Yeah. I don't know why they changed the name. I, I guess it's more descriptive of the game. Uh, maybe Solomon's Key was not that popular in North America, so it didn't have any... Uh, Kind of mindshare. I don't know. I'd be curious to know why they just didn't uh, include that in the name. So the uh, composer of Fire and Ice is uh, Ryuchi Nita. A little bit tinny music, but I actually kind of like it. Mm-hmm. So with that, we're going to go on to the third game, which is a listener request. And actually... Uh, this is the earliest listen request I had in my tracker. Um, I, I found the second time it was requested back in... Well, actually, I shouldn't say that because that gives away how old this game is, doesn't it? <laughs> well, uh, I'll follow up on that and let you know later. Well, if it's an early listener request, it could be several years ago at this point. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's enough of a hint, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
like it. Catchy action song. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Help me out here. Yeah, sure. I can help you. Which two playable characters wield the same primary weapon? Oh, okay.
There you have it. That was a third song. So, Steve, do you have any thoughts as to what this might be? I do. Um, this is a little bit more than a shot in dark gas, but it, see, I was thinking like those first two songs, I was thinking, well, maybe it's like, you know, fire and Mimbley, but then, and, and then like the question was like, oh, maybe it's a fire emblem thing still. But then I heard that third song. I was like, well, wait a second. That sounds like Castlevania E. And you said primary weapons. And I'm thinking, well, wait a second. Okay. What? And then I thought, okay, well, sounds like not that old of a game. Same two characters, so that's probably Belmont family. Um, then I thought, oh, maybe it's Castlevania Judgment? Oh, well done. Yes. Yes, you <laughs> figured it out. This is Castlevania Judgment for the Wii. Yep. Um, yeah. Nice. And uh, as you suspect, um, well, what, what, which, which two playable characters do you think would be wielding the same primary weapon? Oh, geez. Um, Mr. Belmont and Mr. Belmont. What are the two Belmont's names, sir? <laughs> um, Simon's one of them, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, Trevor? Yes, okay, you got that oh, too. Excellent. Hey. <laughs> Good job. It is, so Castlevania Judgment's a, a Wii release. It is a, a 3D fighting game. Um, I, I've never played it. It's not generally that well regarded. Um, certainly you can find videos of this game online and I'd say that both the art direction and the execution of that art direction are kind of a muddy, ugly mess. Um, I I can't speak to the controls, uh, but uh, I suspect on the Wii they were not great. There may even be motion controls involved. Uh, Did you ever play this game? I have not, but it is actually something I've always wanted to check out, if only just because like I like fighting games a lot, and sometimes I also like bad fighting games. So sometimes I just kind of play the bad ones just for a laugh. <laughs> so this would definitely be in that uh, in that wheelhouse. Yeah, I wonder I wonder what this actually costs if you could find it in the wild because it, it's uh, it's sold very poorly. I don't know how many copies of this game were made, but um, I think like I was reading on the wiki page that like something like under 3,000 copies were sold in Japan so um, it did not do all that well <laughs> um, but uh, the music's good just checking eBay it's, it's it's pretty affordable it's like you know 20 30 bucks so get it okay that's not so bad um, yeah so, so I'd say probably the biggest redeeming quality of this game just based on everything I've read is that is the music which um, Yasushi Asada was the rearranger of it imagine there's some unique or some original comp- compositions too, but as with all Castlevania games, uh, there's a lot of reuse and, and remixing of uh, earlier games in the in the series. So uh, this game is no different. Uh, all three of those games are, or sorry, all three of the songs we used are actually uh, rearrangements of earlier games. Although I, I did my best to choose some more, also, I guess some obscure or at least things that aren't remixed as often. Um, uh, the first was from the Rondo Blood PC Engine. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, the second one, I'm not I'm not sure which game this came out first. I, I think it shows up in Portrait of Ruin, but I'm sure it's in like Bloodlines or something <laughs> like that as well. Uh, and then the third one, you may have recognized because it's from Symphony of the Night, yep. which is definitely not uh, a song uh, or, or a game. Or that particular song has not been 
reused as much, maybe because it's just so iconic, uh, iconically tied to that particular uh, game. So um, I, I don't know if any of these are in Smash. It's quite possible. Yeah, but it's so it's so iconic. You you kind of know it. So yeah, it's probably. It's just, I would be shocked if it wasn't in Smash. I, I suspect that they've used one or two Judgment rearrangements, repurposed them for Smash because I'm sure. Uh, they were uh, not listened to as much as uh, they probably should have, you know, given given the quality of the soundtrack. So uh, I, I seem to recall there being a crap ton of Castlevania songs uh, on uh, the downloadable content there. Oh, so. yeah. 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 Um, so I don't have anything else to say. I, was, I guess you haven't played this, so you can't either. But No, but I, 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 I found the attempt interesting just in general. You'd think that as an action-y game, or at least, you know, adventure game with action-y elements, something like a, a Castlevania fighting game would work or could work. Um, yeah, I agree. I don't think the concept is broken. The Wii implementation was not the way to do it. And, and you know, it was like, oh, why are we getting a real Castlevania game? It's like, well, I, I don't know if that was a fair knock on it at the time because it came out the same year as Order of Ecclesia. Um, for DS, so I mean, at the time we were still getting um, frequent enough, you know, Castlevania games. Um, after that's kind of when things <laughs> fell off, or maybe maybe this was kind of the canary in the coal mine uh, for the series because uh, things did drop off after that. Yeah, Castlevania did uh, struggle quite a bit to uh, transition to 3D. So. Um, yeah, but I mean, even like the 2D games just kind of stopped being made. Uh, I guess oh, yeah. there was a fallout with, you know, Iga, so... Yeah, I mean, the GB, GBA was just the just the best games. And then, you know, start things started to get a little more... More hardware was available, so let's do 3D stuff. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I think there were two DS games. I mean, I, I, that's... You know, that shouldn't be scoffed at either. Well, no, of course not. I'm just saying that, you know, what's been a... Good Castlevania game recently. Uh, I mean, <laughs> what is the, there was the 3D games that were totally really unrelated. Right. Had like, good Castlevania. I don't remember the name of them. But the the best one recently was Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, <laughs> as it turns <laughs> out. Oh boy. Yeah, but uh, as I was saying before, kind of hinting at the, the this request. I don't know when the first one came. I couldn't find the email. I probably deleted it when I had to clear up some space but uh, this is requested by Darth Ridley and Simon Sweeker and uh, I think the one from Simon was from 2014 but that was noted uh, in my uh, my little tracker as being the second request so um, the first one was earlier than 2014 the game came out in uh, late 2008 2008. so yeah it's uh, it's been a long standing request but I kind of saved it for uh, when I thought there might be someone on who who would appreciate it Um, well, like I do you, appreciate that game. one, yes. And I got it right, so, so yes, worked out. Yeah, you got it right, so good job. Thanks.
Spooky. <laughs> the wheels are turning. little earworm there mm, yep gonna need another hit question there ah oh, you need help huh so uh this is a lazy question and i apologize in advance for it 
how was the first remake of this game distributed in Japan? Hmm. Not super lazy. That's actually an interesting question. I'm going to have a think about that. Sorry to keep putting you on the spot here, Steve. Your your next request is the next game, but uh, any ideas on what this one is? Zero. I mean, the the question 
like I was just trying to think, well, gee, there must be some sort of like, I was trying to think, well, what kind of distribution system would be different enough to have a game be distributed through it? And that might have given me a thought, but I got nothing. All right. Well, uh, this is Famicom Detective Club, the girl who stands behind for the Switch. Oh. Which um, is a, a remake of uh, a very old Famicom Disk System game. It's a, an early Japanese visual novel game. I don't like that term personally. Well, aren't all like comic books visual as well? So, narrative adventure. But yeah, it's a, it's, it's a narrative adventure game. The, the term people tend to use is visual novel. And it, you know, for the Switch version, they you know redid all the artwork and and have new arrangements of the music. I, uh, I like this game. Uh, it uh, definitely shows its age in terms of its game mechanics. Um, I was wondering if you might like go into like a guessing about a Metroid game just because uh, <laughs> this game actually shares a lot with Metroid, as, as strange as that may sound. Uh, its uh, composer is Kenji Yamamoto, or at least for the original um, soundtrack, and he supervised the, the rearrangements here. And uh, Yoshio Sakamoto of Metroid fame is, is, uh, wrote the scenario. I don't know if he wrote the actual words in Japanese that were used, but he, he wrote the broad scenario, at least. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, as strange as that may sound, the, the folks behind Metroid also made a visual novel game. But um, this is actually the second game. It's a prequel. There's another prequel here, I just realized. Um, I played this one first before the other one that was released on the Switch, uh, the uh, the Missing Air. This is the better game, and I'm glad I played this one first because I probably wouldn't have played it if I had played the other one first. To be honest, because right. um, uh, they they sell them, um, they kind of have a weird thing going on in the sale where if you, it's kind of like the the Star Fox. Um, for Wii U thing where if you buy uh, one of them the second one's at a discount such that they add up to $60 so you can buy them together as a bundle for 60 bucks, or you can just buy one of them and then the second one if you like the first one later at basically the same price so um, 35 bucks is a little steep for this game I mean it's it's like a long episode of a Phoenix Wright game in terms of length but uh, it's not bad it's just um, it's stodgy, right? I mean, it, it, there's a lot of choosing menus to try to progress, and the, the the what what your options are rarely change substantively. So it's not always obvious what you have to poke at to progress the conversation, because there may be multiple things that you could say, mm-hmm. and then other times it's like you have to ask the same thing multiple times to progress. So it, it's. <sighs> It's clumsy in, in, in that way. Um, so I definitely used a fact, although I, I'd say this game was less guilty of that than the first game, The, the Missing Ear. Um, this also is a better soundtrack um, and just, I thought, more interesting characters and in, in scenarios. So overall, definitely recommend Girl Who Stands Behind over Missing Ear. Uh, and there's a reason that uh, Band Brothers, if you may have recognized that third song, used oh, uh, yeah. that third song because yeah. uh, this has the better soundtrack, again. <laughs> um, I don't know that the first soundtrack was by Kenji Yamamoto, so this may have been something that um, 
was more for the sequel that that uh, that he was involved in. I'm not sure. Um, but overall, I mean, I, you can kind of justify the $35 purchase because it's uh, it's animated. People are using this term live 2D. I, I'm not very familiar with that or whether that's actually the, the technology they're using, but it, it's similar. Uh, it, it looks pretty still. I, I found that the animation was kind of distracting and, and, and a hard to put my finger on way. There's kind of like sliding and, and squishing um, that uh, of the art assets that are rotating that I can kind of see when I watch it. And I don't know. To, to me, it was kind of a little bit of uncanny valley in a weird way for animation. <laughs> um, but, you know, maybe others won't be as sensitive to that. But the story's fun. It's it's hard to kind of figure out exactly what what's going to happen. Um good writing um good music uh, yeah I, I, i'd say it's it's fun I, maybe they'll put it on sale and maybe it's like worth 20 instead of 35 dollars but uh it's a, it's an interesting piece of history for sure and um they include all three versions of the soundtrack uh in this for the girl who stands behind because it originally came out on famicom disc system which um just as a reminder that was that was a format where you could uh, if you lived in Japan, you could like reprogram the the discs. So you'd like bring them to uh, a, a game store, and they would, or maybe a convenience store even, and uh, and they you could pay write a fee to, to buy it, and you'd rewrite over whatever you had. Um, and so the, the Super Famicom release was a late Super Famicom release. It was like 1998. And it was released on the Nintendo Power System, which is very similar in concept where they're rewritable cartridges, um, flash cartridges. So uh, it was kind of fitting that it was released for kind of that kind of a system. But um, So you have the Super Famicom version, which is actually very close to what the rearranged Switch music is. It's just the Switch version um, cleans it up, adds a little bit to it. The, The Famicom soundtrack is very sparse it's kind of surprising how sparse it is um compared to the super famicom and and uh switch renditions which are i mean you could say yeah it's the same music you you can recognize the thread line there but uh through line there but uh boy the super famicom version was way a huge upgrade over the famicom uh, in terms of you know, number of instruments simultaneously and having like kind of counter metal melodies and the like. So, um, kind of interesting to, to switch amongst those. So, I'm rambling here. Um, I, I'd say it's like a solid seven and a half or eight, and I'd give the missing air lower marks just because it's not as interesting a story, in my opinion. Well, you know what I wonder about these games is like, was it was these games like Nintendo going, hey, you know, we've got to adapt to you know COVID times. Maybe we can push these out really quick. Let's just get somebody to translate them and because I, I would imagine it'd be a pretty quick game to put together. Yeah, I I, I definitely think that may have tipped them over the edge to, to creating this. They look like, what what's a back catalog thing that we can mine that um, isn't as you know. Highly exposed already, like you know, like, not not resource intensive, and yeah, I mean they they did put decent resources into this, but yeah, they, there's no game development here. It's all you know translation and you know voice acting. They have it fully voice acted, which I, I guess I forgot to mention. Which <clears throat> again, that that kind of justifies more the the higher yeah. price compared to something like you know the Phoenix Wright trilogy. Um, 
but I mean, some maybe some people will really appreciate the voice acting. I mean, I I thought it was well done, but uh, you know, I I don't care that much about having the Japanese voice acting. I'm perfectly content just reading the text because I don't understand Japanese. So you know, yeah. I mean, certainly for the Japanese market, that was a huge huge plus. I'd, I'd imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I think this was an excellent choice for something to, to mine for COVID times. I mean, this is the sort of game that just would not have come out back, and it did not. It did not come out back in whatever one was. I wrote down it's 32 years old, but I did not. Uh, I did not write down when when it was originally released. Maybe 19. Oh, yeah, 1989. So back then, you know, there were worries about well, you can finish it in a rental. You know. Japanese visual novel games probably weren't that popular uh, back in 1989 either. Um, Whereas now, I mean, there's a lot more of that stuff here. And, you know, things like Phoenix Wright have have increased, uh, uh, you know, popularity of adventure games and and Japanese style adventure games, you know, there's kind of a revival of that uh, industry, really. So, you know, hey, downloadable content, you know, you can't rent it makes sense now so they did it yay yay <laughs> we can play it <laughs> um, but yeah this is 23 years after the Super Famicom remake and it's 32 years old so yeah it's a, an old game and it, it kind of feels that way at, at times but uh, you know use a fact if you need to and there, yep. there's a fact out there if you get stumped on some obtuse um, which menu thing or which look pixel do we need to look at to progress Surprisingly, not that much pixel hunting. It's weird in that there are a couple of mechanics in the game that are like only used a handful of times, which is, I don't know, kind of weird in my opinion, but maybe there was some sort of technical limitation preventing them from doing it more. I don't know. Uh, all right, we're going to go on to the last game, which is a windy request. Yep. But uh, let's see. So you, uh, you figured out one game uh, on your own? Hey, two games. Two games? Yeah, the one, my first pick, and then that last one, and then this next one. Hold on. If you choose the game, you can't claim that you figured it out. I disagree.
A little bit sinister there. Yeah, it's a classic. This is going to be a difficult one for the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to throw him a bone here in the next song, but I also have a hint question to maybe help him out. Go for it. This game is part of a turn of the century crossover series of the seven main games in it, which was the only one to be released exclusively on a Nintendo platform.
I would never have been able to figure out this game if, if you had made this like a mystery game for me, um, to be quite blunt. So, uh, why don't you just reveal the game? Yes. So, uh, you might have recognized that last tune as a reuse theme, uh, the street fighter character, but this is not quite a street fighter game. This is SNK versus Capcom, the match of the millennium, uh, recently released on switch, but it was originally a Neo Geo pocket color game. Yeah. So it's, it's a weird eight bit. Well, music is basically eight bit. <laughs> um, Neo Geo Pocket Color song, which, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what Neo Geo Pocket Color sounds like because I barely ever played uh, Neo Geo Pocket Color games. But uh, it had a bunch of, like, fighting games on, right? Isn't that not, like, 80% of their library? Uh, it had, well, it had quite a pretty good library. I mean, the Neo Geo Pocket uh, and the Neo Geo Pocket Color is actually a pretty, like, really good handheld system. In fact, I've got one right here. It's got the uh, uh, clicky uh, thumbstick on it. And I actually have this game for the Neo Geo Pocket Color as well. Um, before I explain everything, just a funny story about this is that I actually um, got my uh, Pocket Color for free from a friend who was just getting rid of some stuff that they didn't want anymore. And I also got um, Match of the Millennium in here, right, too, like because I always wanted this game. And then just like, you know, a couple weeks later, they're like, hey, we're releasing this for the Switch. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> so I have it for the original <laughs> system because I wanted it, but now it's also for the Switch. Now I can't really, like, I kind of, like, play the game twice, because I want to unlock everything on both systems. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm very disappointed there's no cross-save between the Neo Geo Pocket Color and the Switch. Yeah, what were they thinking? Come on. <laughs> Come on. That's going to cost them a few points right there. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this this um, this um game is it's pretty amazing. You know, it just it, not not just speaking as, like, a fighting game fan or, or a Capcom versus SNK series fan, which I am both of those things it's just a very full featured product um this got a lot of game modes and variety and um you know even on the original system the controls were like amazingly good it just felt like a way beefier game than you know the original handheld version would kind of make you think uh, just in general it's a crossover between uh, all the bunch of different characters from the Capcom fighting game series and franchises and the SNK series and franchises, and they're all shrunk down to this uh, kind of cute little pixelated chibi characters of all the characters, and ultimately it's just a fighting game, and it's a really good one, uh, in my opinion. Uh, the different game modes, and they have also these kind of like mini-game modes, they call it Olympic mode, where they have just sort of these a wide variety of games. It's not just like fighting games, although they have like fighting game modes. They also have like a, a target shooting game and a, a sort of a um, not really a fruit ninja thing, but it's just like a, one of the uh, samurai characters from an SNK game. You have to like tell him which target to slash. And they have you know like a, a DDR style game, which is funny. They even have a, a game where uh, Arthur from Ghost of Goblins has to kind of jump to avoid uh, enemies and pick up cash bags, which is funnily enough called Ghost Trick in the game. <laughs> oh, weird. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's really weird, but um, yeah, overall it's a package 
it's it's a very good game to have if you like fighting games. It's probably one of the, if not the best, handheld fighting game, like traditional handheld system fighting game ever made. Or it's, it's definitely up there. Um, yeah, it, it's it's so good. And there's there are all these like references to other uh, Capcom and SK games, not just fighting games. Like, um, you know, there's a lot of Metal Slug stuff in there for SNK and, and like, I said, the Ghost and Goblin stuff. And they even did a little, uh, neat little thing where if you, uh, it's just a, it's a color game, so it doesn't work on the original black and white Neo Geo Pocket. But if you try to put the cartridge into the black and white Neo Geo, it gives you these, like, custom messages with, like, uh, skits from characters who are not in the game to tell you, hey, you need to put the, the cartridge in a... Uh, in a color system, and then some of them are complaining that they're not in the game. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> it's just—it's a really, really cool thing. So it's just a—it's a very complete package. And as far as the Switch version, it's basically a direct port. Although they were very kind enough to allow you to do two players on one system, so you don't need a link cable, <laughs> which is nice. Uh, but one thing I will say uh, negatively about. Um, not necessarily the game, but the SNK in general. They released a couple of the uh, Neo Geo Pocket Color like remakes or, or, or ports, basically, onto the Switch individually. And then they were like, okay, and also we've got this 10-game collection, so if you want all these other games that we're not going to re-release individually, you have to buy all 10 of them, including the ones you may have already bought individually. So it was like, uh... I'm not going to do that, even though there are a couple of games in the, in the collection I want. I'm not going to give them... I'm not going to, like, double buy a game just to get another game. That's, that's stupid. Yeah. I feel like Sega's kind of doing that with some of their various releases and compilations lately. Well, you know, it's fine if you do that, but release the compilation first. <laughs> and then you can release the individual games, you know? Not the other way around. That's just a kind of a dick move. Speaking of Sega and, and Neo Geo Pocket Color, have they released that Sonic game? I've always been curious to try that one out. Oh, right. Yeah, the, the, what was the name of that game? I forget. I, yeah, I, I, that's a game I definitely want to get um, for Neo Geo Pocket as well. Uh, I mean, my impression is it's kind of like a predecessor to the Sonic Advance Yeah, Advance games, yeah. So, maybe more of like a remix of like handheld or uh, of the Genesis Sonic games is, is sort of my crude impression of it, so um, I don't know, I've just always been curious to check that out I'm a little bit surprised uh, it hasn't come out with so many other Neo Geo Pocket Color games coming out on Switch Well, yeah, now, but obviously you'd have to work across publishers, but okay, you charge a couple of dollars more yeah, I mean, I think uh, you could get away with that for something like Sonic. Yeah, SNK and, and Sega would definitely be. Neither one of them are averse to re-releasing older games for older systems. Um, I think uh, it probably it's just a matter of when S Sega would want to do it, because like all all these Neo Geo Pocket uh, games that have come out on Switch are all SNK games, SNK properties. So you know, if Sega wanted to do it, you know, SNK is not going to tell them no. <laughs> it's Sega's game. It's just a matter of you know, do you. Like, does Sega kind of do their own thing, which they probably would, or do they kind of keep the same format as the other Neo Geo Pocket games, so, so it's consistency? Who knows? But I would definitely love to see more uh, Neo Geo Pocket games. I mean, I'm just so happy I finally got one, and I've you know, been playing on it. It's just it's a solid little system. It doesn't have a you know backlit 
help like screen or anything, but it's just good. It's a really, really good handheld. Cool. Well, you did not answer the question, right? So, so I did not. There is one particular game in the series that was only released on a Nintendo platform? Yes, and um, was actually I have a, a little side story about this one. Uh, the one game that was only uh, exclusively released to uh, the Nintendo system was SNK vs. Capcom Card Fighters DS. Uh, this is basically a remix slash combination of the uh, Card Fighters games, the two Card Fighters games that had come out on the Neo Geo Pocket. And then you just kind of put them together, uh, added some extra stuff, and put it on the DS. Uh, problem with that was that apparently there was a game-breaking bug in the uh, retail release. Don't that, Yeah, so like, um, I think it was that if you, if you, after you beat it and you played it through and you unlocked like the second playthrough plus or whatever it was, once you got through the um, a certain point to the through the second playthrough, game crashes and you cannot absolutely not beat the game because I think it's like a character you have to talk to or beat in order to progress the story, and doing that is what crashes the game. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So they um, obviously they you know recalled it and you can like mail it mail in your cartridge and get a fixed version of it. So, uh, but yeah, that that was a. <laughs> That was the thing that happened. Hmm. Wow. I guess, uh, you know, Nintendo's done that sort of thing before, too, right? Didn't Skyward Sword have some sort of horrible yeah, bug uh, if you went in the wrong yeah. order for the option, when you had three options to tackle some, whatever, the dungeons? Yeah, I mean, every once in a while, something like that slips through. Um, it's obviously not, like, the like a big crash is pretty rare especially like a you know main yeah. gameplay path crash well but that's on the second playthrough so i could see yeah. how that that could somehow slip through quality control and it's still very weird yeah that, that would only happen on a game plus type mode but okay fine buffer overflow yay yep so it happened they fixed it um you know uh, I, I'm sure that I, there is a way. I, I don't remember it offhand, but there is definitely a way to tell the difference between the uh, original version. And I mean, it's not like the you, you can't get the uh, initial retail release and, and play it and enjoy it and beat it because you can. This only happens if you, you know, want to play it through a second time on the same save. Mm-hmm. But the, the, still, there is a way to tell the difference between the original version and the fixed version. I don't remember what it is offhand though. That is so weird. Yep. So did they like recode the card when you send it in, or did they just send you a, a fixed card that's you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Because if they have to like use new DS cards, that's probably pretty expensive. I mean, uh, can you reflash a retail DS card? Yeah, probably not. It's probably like a right once thing. Yeah. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Radio Trivia. Oh, Yeah, I know. You know it's, it's, it was a good run, but we got to wrap things up here. Steve, would you like to plug anything? Um, well, not necessarily, but you can also uh, always find me on the Nintendo World Report Discord. I'm always in there um, chatting, saying hi to folks. Um, yeah, come, come, cool. come join the Discord. Hang out. 
we're cool right. kids in the cool club in there. All right. Got questions about uh, Sinkia versus Capcom? Head that way. Yep. Nintendo World Report Discord. With that, I- I'm going to wrap things up here. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun to prepare, and I'm glad you guys enjoy it. Well, I enjoy Goodbye, it. Bye, everyone. Yeah, well, of course you do. Otherwise, you keep. Why would you come crawling back unless you enjoyed it? Come on, that's a stupid statement, Steve. I am contractually obligated. Goodbye, everybody. We'll see you next time. Super Monkey Ball 2 is copyright Amusement Vision, Sega, 2001-2002. Fire and Ice is copyright 1993, Tecmo. Castlevania Judgment is copyright 2008, Konami. Famicom Detective Club, The Girl Who Stands Behind is copyright 1989, 1998, 2021, Nintendo Mages. SNK vs. Capcom, The Match of the Millennium is copyright 1999, SNK Capcom.